Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Uh, Today, I'm privileged to have Neil Katz with me today. And when I first moved to Baltimore in 2003, we met about a year or so later. So one of my first friends in Baltimore, Neil, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Umar. You know, it's funny. I'll never forget. And I guess it was 2004, 2005. We took a walk through Oregon Ridge together. And there were some challenges that I was going through. And I really needed somebody to help bring out what was going on in my head, and I couldn't quite explain it. And we spent, you know, probably an hour just walking through the woods up, and there was a picnic ground afterwards. Just conversation, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it was like, I said, this guy, there's something special about this man. So thank you for that, and thank you for your friendship over the years. So tell me, in 90 seconds, uh, who are you? And you do a ton of things. What you do? <laughs> well, you know, the, the one thing about me is, I'm incredibly ADHD, so it's a blessing and it's a curse. You know, it's a blessing because I can do a lot of things and keep track of it all. It's a curse because sometimes it really does get overwhelming, and I just need and I just throw up my hands and you know need a crash. So, um, you know, I owned a commercial real estate brokerage firm for 20 years. I was in the commercial real estate brokerage business for 25, um, actually almost 30. I still do uh, do some work with in the commercial real estate field, but I've also ventured out and uh, involved in a lot of other things, uh, you know, entrepreneurial ventures, investing in businesses, um, some consulting work. I run some CEO groups, uh, a lot of different things. So where we met yeah. was at Leadership Maryland. I was doing a presentation on applied neuroscience. Yep. And after that, you filled out the card saying, hey, we should talk. <laughs> and when we did, I took you through an exercise to uncover your purpose because you were at a crossroads. You know, which, I can do all these amazing things. And what's the thing I really should be doing? And do you remember what your purpose was? Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. All these things are coming back in my head now. But I remember because we actually sat down in my home office I remember we did a an exercise with ex- ex- yeah, index cards, and there were three cards that you had me save at the end. <laughs> and it was, I am a, and it might have been joyful helper. Like that's your coach, a guide for people. It had something uncovered. to do with helping others because I really enjoy, you know, the feeling you get when you help another person. It makes me feel good. I've had a lot of blessings in my life. And I want to share them, and I want to help others. And again, it just makes me feel good. So, so let's start off with uh, there's an organization in town called Accelerant. Yes, sir. You are a part owner. Yes, sir. What made you do such a crazy thing? <laughs> well, it's um, it's funny. I I owned a commercial real estate brokerage firm, as you know, from 1989 to 2009. And I think it was around 2005 or six. Uh, I joined as a as a as a member mem- as a member of Accelerant. So, Accelerant has 
different categories based upon industry. So there's, but the secret sauce is only one company can be per category. Per category, right? So we have one law firm, one accounting firm, one real estate development firm, one mortician, one mortician, (laughs) and we're still looking for a mortician. (laughs) Um, We were the commercial real estate brokerage partner. That's who we were. Uh, and so we were that partner from 2000, again, five or six when they started in Baltimore till about 2009 when I sold my company. So then we were no longer part of it. The founder of Accelerant, a guy by the name of Troy Peppel, uh, came to me and said, you know, Neil, I don't have any partners. I'm opening Accelerant in a number of different cities, uh, but I'd really like to have somebody you know, that, that knows the market, keep an eye on the market for me, and that is well-connected. If you're interested, I'd like to offer you an opportunity to invest in the company. I said, sounds great to me. I know a lot of people. I love people, and I love Baltimore. And Accelerant's all about helping their members and the community get new ideas, build their business, so it kind of align with your purpose. Exactly. It's all about relationships and connecting. And, and building those trust relationships we talk about. And that's, that's my world. One of the questions I like asking people is, because you know, Marvel and uh, superheroes are you know, part of our culture now, who's your favorite superhero and what's the attribute that speaks to you? You know, if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Superman. He's probably the most known. But the thing about Superman is that there's a goodness, a kindness, uh, taking care of others. That's who he's about. And he's incorruptible. And especially given what's going on in the political world these days, you know, for him, it was about doing good for the people of the world. Not There was no self-gain. Selfishness, yeah, no selfishness. And he did things he did the right things for the right reasons. You see, that question I ask people, they think, oh, that's a kind of a fun question, but it isn't designed to be a fun question. Yeah. What it's designed to be is to give insights to the person because we only admire people and the ability they have if we have that within us. So it gives me insights into the per- the answer, lets me know who Neil is. Yeah, and, and that's, but to be frank with you, I love reading biographies about people and uh, and learning about you know, their characteristics, how they made decisions, how they ran a company or a business or an organization. You know, you learn from those things and you also learn about yourself at the same time. Absolutely. And when you look at some of the biographies, you realize that they were human too. Yes. Like they have this uh, image of flawlessness, but when you read the biographies, you know they're flawed individuals and that gives everyone hope that, hey, maybe I've got the shot to do the right things as well. Yeah, it's 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 funny actually. My wife and I are now uh, watching The Crown about Churchill and the Queen, and it, it's just fascinating to see all the behind the things, behind, behind the, the scenes. scenes things that they did. Uh, you know, you think that everything is just perfect. <laughs> what was interesting is I like Steve Jobs as a, a luminary, but yes. I've been reading different books like his biography, the advertising agency that had the account their version of what happened, and you get three or four different books on the same subject, and all of a sudden you get a 360 view of the person you're looking at, so Yeah, there must be five or six books on Steve Jobs, the yeah. person, you know, so. Who's a mentor for you? You know, that's, that's an easy one. My father 
was absolutely my mentor in so many ways, you know, as a father, as a businessman, as a helper of society. Uh, my dad, unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, and, um, you know, I think about him, you know, every day of my life. Uh, he was one of those people that grew up in a small town, Wilmington, Delaware. His father was a masseur. They owned a, a little bathhouse. He lived on the second floor of the bathhouse. They didn't have money for college or law school or whatever. My father graduated from college, put himself through college, married my mom, went to Washington, worked for the IRS full-time during the day, went to Georgetown Law School at night, had two kids at the same time, then got a job with Venable, uh, the largest law firm at at the time, probably still is the largest law firm in Baltimore. Uh, he went to work there. He eventually led the tax department. He represented some of the largest corporations in Baltimore. And he was the most low-key individual you've ever met. He never bragged about his clients, his business. Well, he also didn't talk about anything. When he was with me or my brother or present? my sister or my mom, it was only about us. It had nothing to do with his business. He wasn't thinking about business. He wasn't taking calls. He, it was just about us. He had that ability to focus on us. I mean, as a kid growing up, I remember he used to come home, have dinner with us um, most nights, then he would hang out with us, play ball out back, whatever. And then we'd head upstairs, take showers, and dad would head back downtown to work. And you know what? I have no idea what time he came home, but he was always there for breakfast the next morning. So he ran a, 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 the, uh, the tax department at the largest law firm in Baltimore. He had three kids. He really was had lots of student loans. And he had time for everybody. He also helped many members of our family. He helped uh, his partners at the firm. He helped associates at the firm. His greatest characteristic was his humbleness. He was the most humble person. He had accomplished so many great things, but he never wanted to talk to you about his accomplishments. What did he want to talk to you about? He wanted to talk about his kids and his, and especially his grandkids. And in fact, to this day, I'm so proud. At his funeral, all four grandchildren got up and talked about their relationship. Oh, nice. And I learned with him, and I learned things about him and the relationship he had with our kids and my niece and nephew as well that I didn't even know about. He was just one of those amazing people in life. And the other thing I will tell you is, and I didn't even learn this probably until I was in my 40s, I always thought he was a little tough on me. He was always challenging me and asking me why I didn't read this and why I didn't, you know, and, and I was like, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty successful guy. I, you know, I've worked hard and I have a company and, you know, we do pretty well. And I didn't realize it until later on in life, but he was always challenging me because he wanted me to be strong and he wanted me to be able to provide for myself and my family when the day that he wasn't around anymore. And so he was that fine line between toughening me up and also loving me. And it just, I, again, I, whenever I talk about him, I get tears in my eyes. So, so yeah, he was an amazing mentor. Brilliant. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? 
best advice I've ever gotten, probably the best advice I've ever gotten was work hard, but if you can be smart about it and find a way to to create some residual income for yourself when you're young, whether it's buying houses or investing in something, a business, or investing in real estate or whatever it is, later on in life when you start hitting your 50s and 60s, if you have some income, it takes the edge off. Makes sense. Yeah. So so for me, it was I was actually fortunate because I was in the commercial real estate business for so long. I would find good deals and I would go to my wealthier clients and ask them if I could stay in the deal, throw in my commission, maybe invest a little bit of my money. And I started doing that 25 years ago. And it's hard to see in the beginning when you're making a couple thousand dollars a year on an investment. But over 20, 25 years, it's put me in a, in a much better position now where I can kind of do the things that I want to do and I don't have to worry as much about running to work every day and killing myself. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, before we started this interview, we were just kind of chit-chatting, getting ready, and one of the things you mentioned was, you know, if money was not an object, yeah. you would make the world yep. a better place. Yep, that's the truth. <laughs> I um, I got to tell you, I've people are my oxygen. They always have been. I love helping people. Uh, I actually had the blessing at a very, very young age, uh, well, pretty young age. I was 23 years old. But I became a uh, big brother in the Jewish Big Brother and Big Sister League. And oi I vey. Yeah, <laughs> oi vey. <laughs> and Joe and I spent 10 years together. And in fact, to this day, he's 41 now, I think. And he's still one of my best friends. He's an amazing guy. But we always hug each other. And when we hug each other, we say to each other, you changed my life. Isn't that miraculous? It, like we're helping somebody else it, and the insights and the help we get ourselves as a byproduct is a, it, blows my mind. Yeah, it, it's it's really amazing. In fact, we're talking about trying to create some other charitable foundation now to help others. Uh, he, it's just the things that he, the perspective he gave me on life, the feeling that I got really was the impetus for me to get involved in other organizations, other charitable organizations. And what I was telling you before is, yeah, if I didn't need to make money to make a living to pay my bills and to you know raise a family, I would love spending every day of my life just bringing smiles to people's face and helping them figure out challenges and problems in life. I am a good problem solver. Um, I like being creative. I'm very resourceful. So if I could use those skills to just help others every day. I mean, I cry at movies. I cry all the time. And it, and it has to do with the emotions of helping others. You're a successful person, numerous businesses. Yeah. So what's the fear that you have uh, that maybe gets in the way of you really achieving the level of impact you want in the world? Well, I don't know if it's a pure fear, mm -hmm. but what I spend a lot of time thinking about these days is legacy. And I don't want to be that guy that, you know, when my day comes, people say, oh, Neil Katz, 
he had a real successful real estate business. He owned a lot of businesses. He owned some real estate, and uh, he did. He was a pretty successful guy. That's not what I want to hear. I want to know that I've touched other people's lives, that I've made a difference, and as corny as it sounds, that my time on earth made a difference mm-hmm. and I had an impact. And I think about, I mean, I'll be 57 in a couple of weeks, but I've been thinking about this stuff for years. A long time, since yeah. we've known each other. Yeah, a long, long, long time. And I know I have the abilities to help people in lots of ways. And now I have more time to help people. My kids are, one graduated college last year, and then my, my son graduated last year, my daughter's graduating this year, my wife and I are empty nesters, we just downsized our home. <laughs> so, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I can spend even more time than I'm used to spending helping others. And I'm really trying, I'm still trying to find that right platform where I can have as big an impact as possible using the skills and the knowledge and the resources that I've accumulated over the years. So is it a fear? I don't know if it's a fear, but it it's a concern. It's something that keeps me awake. And for some people, it's like, I don't want to build a life that was financially successful. Like that's great to have and the comfort, but a life of significance where I made an impact but some people, it's like, hey, time's running out. You only exactly. have 40 years left. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a life with meaning, a life with significance is what, I mean, all the money in the world, what are you going to do? Just buy more stuff? I don't need more stuff. I really don't. I've been blessed to have amazing relationships, an amazing wife of 25. You know, we just celebrated our 25-year anniversary a couple weeks ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I can't believe she's put up with me for that long, but <laughs> it's been a it's been a fun ride. So yeah, I have great friends. I have some good investments. Uh, I have met some amazing mentors and some amazing people. I've had incredible experiences traveling and doing all kinds of other things. But I really, really want to know that I've left this world helping others in some way and made an impact. And it's, it's again, I, I even joke about it. I just say, the reason I still work is so if I can make more money, I can give away more. Yep. You know, at the so, end of the day. So Neil, tell me about a particular time uh, where somebody helped you. Might have been a big way, a small way, but one of those moments that impacted you that made a difference. Gosh, I've, um, I've been helped so many times in my life and I've had really just incredible uh, mentors over the years. I'll give you a good example. Yeah, give me example. Somebody once said, if you gave me a gift, which I highly recommend, by the way, <laughs> I would say, no, no, I can't take a nail. That's too much. And I just yeah. do bullshit like that. Right. And this one person took me aside once said, Umar, never do that. Someone right. took time to do something nice for you. Just say thank you and acknowledge their generosity rather than that. And it was like, wow, simple advice, but it was life-changing for me. Well, you know, it's interesting um, that you asked the question. I'm trying to think of examples that come to mind along those lines. I guess one example that I think about is I've tried to teach my kids, and I I just got to assume my parents taught me this, okay, that that sometimes people do things for you. It's not for you. It's for them. Yeah. 
And for example, like grandparents might might say, hey, can you come over? And well, I'm trying to think of a good example when uh, when you do something that you don't necessarily want to do, but you do it because it'll make the other person Happy. feel well, feel yes. good about themselves. And sometimes, you know, you're in school and you got a lot of work, but your your grandmother wants you to come over and, and have lunch with her, you know, on Saturday or Sunday. And that's the only time that you really get to go with your friends. And you try to teach a lesson that it's not about you. It's about so- somebody else. And sometimes that little, that little effort of taking an hour to just have lunch with somebody again it's not about you all the time you got to remember it's not all about you and and too many people in this world are selfish thinkers and it and it has to benefit them somehow or they don't even in the business world i can't tell you how many people that that won't just have a meeting with somebody unless it's going to benefit. In fact, I learned in the sales world that you're not supposed to give your time away. Don't give free advice. Yep. I learned that was one of the first rules I learned in sales. And I never believed it. I just said if I can give away advice and help people, I believe that that will develop a stronger bond and relationship between us, and someday it'll all come around, and I will benefit from it. But I don't have to benefit, and if I don't benefit from it, it's okay too. But if I have the ability to help another person, I'm going to do it. And if they can't afford to pay for my services, I'm going to do it. I've always been a proponent of the more you give, the more you get. And I've seen so many examples of it, and I've been blessed to have a lot of examples of it in my life. One of the uh, interesting pieces of advice I got, this probably won't go on the podcast. (laughs) Okay. I was 18, went to Manhattan from Toronto, went up with some friends. We went to a bar, and uh, there were these cocktail girls there. And you're 18, and this (laughs) cute-looking woman comes up, sits next to you. Would you like to buy her a drink? It's like, sure. And it was like, I think it was iced tea, but they claimed it was a cocktail. And it was like $20 a a thing. And when you're a kid, it's like, oh, my God. Where are you going to find $20 And so the lady afterwards said, next time, always ask the price before you say yes. (laughs) Which was very generous of her, and it was good advice to be had. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. Neil, you've led a lot of people Mm -hmm. in your career. Yes. On occasion, you come across someone that has such immense potential that you can clearly see that Janet or or Richard is going to be a rock star. Yep. But they never quite make the jump. They want to improve. We want them to improve. But they never make the jump to the next level. What do you think is going on? What stops people from reaching their potential? Typically, fear. Uh, Either fear that they don't have the ability to do it or fear what happens if they do hit a certain milestone then what happens it's i call it mind trash mind it's all mindset right yeah yeah, it's all mindset and uh people like that you you really gotta sit I, i mean for people that i think have incredible potential i will personally sit down 
and spend a lot of one-on-one time putting things in perspective, teaching lessons learned, teaching life lessons, not just about business, putting big picture, giving them a big picture perspective of where they're heading. And again, it's mostly when you have somebody that has great potential but doesn't achieve it, it's usually because in their mind, there's something going on that they can't get over. I actually really love, in another life, I would be a psychologist (laughs) or psychiatrist, Uh, you know, peeling back the onion uh, and really finding out the core problem. Right. There is a, if you think they, if I think they have potential and they're not getting there, there's something going on down deep. And I'm not trained to do this, but I'm pretty good at digging deep and asking the right questions and figuring out uh, how I can help and what the real issue is. In fact, that I mean, I like to think that's a, a leadership trait, which is is one of my stronger attributes and one of the things that I happen to do fairly well as a leader. Believe me, I got a lot of challenges too <laughs> as a leader. When you mentor people that are coming into leadership, because uh, a lot of times that first position, we go from worker B to now you're leading three or five people yep. that used to be your peers half an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> so what piece of advice would you give leaders at that level? Two, three, that would help them navigate that uh, new landscape. Now, you, do you mean people that were peers and now I'm leading? Or? Yeah, like let's say somebody, you know, they're the frontline worker bees and then a boss notices, says, okay, now you're going to be the manager. Mm-hmm. But that person to be a good leader, what are the three things they need to know that would help them be good leaders? I, well, the most important thing is trust. You, you have to gain people's trust. And in order to gain people's trust, you have to be out there, you know, I'll use a war terminology, on the front lines yes. with them. So I never asked anybody to do anything that I didn't do myself first. So back in the early 80s when I got into the commercial real estate business, before many people had computers, before smartphones, before <laughs> flip phones, um, the best way, there was a, a guide that came out with building addresses and tenants, and I used to I used to use that book, but you didn't have all the information, so I used to go to business parks and go door to door and try to develop business. And I actually enjoyed it. It was a little bit of a challenge for me, and I actually enjoyed that challenge. But But really, for leaders, you got to be that guy going out on the streets not telling other walking people talk. walking the walk talking the talk you got to you got to be there doing it and um and i've never i i had a reputation for being a little bit of a tough uh leader uh mm-hmm. somebody that really pushed people um to their potential in fact the funny thing is i used to tell people i used to tell young agents in the business don't ever worry if I'm giving you a hard time because that means that I believe you have potential and you're not achieving it. And I'm and the reason I'm pushing you is because I know you can do better. I said the time to be concerned is when I walk by your desk and I don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I 
pretty much have given up and it's just not worth my time anymore. So never be afraid of me giving it to you because that means I still am valuing, you know, my time is valuable, but I'm going to spend it with you if I think you got, I think you're willing to work it and I think you got what it takes. So, um, yeah. That's huge because a lot of times setting expectations and humans are meaning-making machines. Had you not said this is what this means, the meaning they make is he doesn't think I'm good enough. Why should I be here? So it's good good on you for just setting the uh, yeah. stage. Yeah. In fact, the funny the funny story is that many years ago, one of my partners said to me, Neil, Neil, you're just you're you're being too tough on the young guys. You got to back off. Um, there's they're really st- <laughs> a couple of them have come to me and and you're being pretty rough. And I said, you know, they can take it. And he said, no, no, you got to just back off a little bit. I said, fine, I'll back off. And a few days later, one of the young guys came to me and said, what's up? <laughs> why, aren't, why aren't you pushing me? And it was funny because he was, a, he was a young agent who eventually ended up starting his own company and being very, very successful. And the other guys that I was giving a harder time to, yeah, they got out of the business pretty quickly. So it's it, it's... It's a crucible yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So uh, I like being a leader. I like being a mentor. Don't always like being, you know, the sales coach all the time. I'm not a real detail person, so sometimes, and, and I'm not a super disciplined person. I do a lot of things. I'm more strategy-oriented and big-picture-oriented. I'm not necessarily, uh, I'm usually not the implementation guy. That's a um, quote from Dirty Harry. Man's <laughs> got to know his limitations. I know. Which also means, hey, this is what I'm really good at. I'm going to offload this to other people and focus where I add the most value to my family, my business, my community. Well, that's, I will tell you, that's a really good piece of information. And a, and a lesson learned for me is I used to try to do it all. But I realized that my strength is developing relationships. I love people, I love helping people. And that's what I'm really good at. What I'm not really good at is is the details involved and the implementation strategy. So digging deep, I there's other people that can go into their office and sit behind their doors for 10 hours on the computer and crunch numbers and dig deep and find out all the, do all the due diligence information. That's not me. I, it, it's, I can do it, but I don't enjoy it, and it's not the best use of my time. So my greatest successes in business came when I surrounded myself with very detail-oriented people. That, those were my greatest successes when I didn't have somebody at my side working either as a partner or as an affiliate. It didn't really matter. I just need that detailed person to help me get the deal all the way through. I, I'm, great at, I'm great at building the relationship. I'm great at getting the business. I'm great at putting the strategy together. Not good at implementation, but I can help with the close. So again, I know what parts of the deal I can come in and make a positive impact. And then I know the ones that I'm really not very good at. <laughs> and and fortunately, I've been able to surround myself with some um, amazing detail-oriented people. I think what people really need to uh, figure out in this lifetime is, what's my purpose? 
Yep. What are my values? What is the criteria I use for those values? What am I really great at? What am I gifted at? And once you know that, design a job, <laughs> design a business that lets you do that. Yes. And find other people that can fill in the blanks uh, that makes the whole thing work. Absolutely. Well said. Those, those are some, some great attributes that um, if you can figure out where your strengths are and your weaknesses and put a plan together yeah, and add value to people, then it's a, it's a win-win-win. That it is. Neil, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Hey, my pleasure, Umar. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 